Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Namaste, Yoga Revealed community. Today, it is a pleasure to introduce the creative director of the Hanuman Festival to you, Dana Saray. She holds the energy of spirit within her voice, which allows her intention to shine bright in this world. We dive into the nature of shamanism, reciprocity in nature, along with the creation of the Hanuman Academy, which is a take-it-as-you-go six-month course through the five elements, along with five master yoga teachers. Dana and I dive deep into the nature of what is truly arising in front of us and how we are to respond. It's like all that stuff that maybe was underneath the surface is now on the surface. And my prayer, my hope is that now we can actually, like, it can move all the way through. That's, that's what I pray for this moment in our world, our collective, you know, intensity that we're all experiencing is that we can see it as this, it's risen to the surface, it's bubbled up and now it can be worked with, now it can be released. Drop into this insightful conversation on the Yoga Revealed podcast to learn more about the inner workings of the mind through a yoga practice as well as the educational opportunity that is the Hanuman Academy. Namaste, my friends, and welcome to Yoga Revealed Podcast. This is Alec, and I hope you're having an absolutely beautiful day wherever you're tuning in today. Today, it is such a pleasure to introduce Dana Saray, Boulder, Colorado, Hanuman Festival family member, and uh, we are so excited to illuminate Dana. Thank you so much, Dana, for taking time out of your day and sharing with us yoga and Hanuman Festival. You're welcome. It's an honor and pleasure to be here with you, Alec. Thank you. Mm, thank you so much. So, yeah. Dana, if you don't mind, we'd love to start the interviews off with just a synopsis of how yoga revealed itself to you mm. and to your life which is always such a, a powerful thread to remember, I find. Mm-hmm. So the, the physical practice of yoga revealed itself to me when I was about 19. I was in college at CU, and oh gosh, I can't remember 
why or how, but I ended up going to a rec center class at CU and kind of just getting this feel for yoga. I've always been a very physical, athletic person. I played capoeira in college, so I was involved in this Brazilian martial art dance form, um, and somehow, you know, I have a gymnastics background too, so there's always been this like thread of embodiment. Um, I found my teacher, Sofia Diaz, when I was 20 here in Boulder, and she is a remarkable teacher. She really brings this very classical, devotional, subtle body type of yoga practice. And I found her at 20. I was really recommended by some of my close friends and dropped into her class, and it was sort of like this like huge awakening um, experience to be in her yoga classes. I had experienced very little yoga before that. It was really this class, you know, few classes at the rec center in college. Um, and when I found her yoga, it really um, gave me an insight into the depth of the practice. That yoga was a way to journey deep inside of ourselves and to really... Um, clear and release any blockages to you know the potential of our being mm. and Sophia taught yoga teaches yoga as a um, you know we are light we mm. are infinite light and you know we are energy and to be able to unlock the mm, knots of the physical form in order to expand into that you know infinite infinite um, brilliance that is really innately who we are, what we are, our soul essence. So that really spoke to me. She was very devotional, and that piece um, has been a, a, a thread for me throughout my yoga practice. Beautiful. Yeah. So at 19, that was the same time yoga revealed itself in my life. And nice. Six years ago today, you know, I feel so fortunate to mm. be in this practice. Mm -hmm. So over the course of maybe the next X amount of years, what were the stepping stones that brought you closer and closer to the, I guess I'll call it the work that you do with spirit and um, the uh, the etherical realms, if you will, mm. and uh, bringing you closer to Hanuman Festival? Yeah, so I studied with Sophia for about 10 years, wow. from 20 to 30, and she was my only yoga teacher, really, for all of that time. And Sophia, um, she's a brilliant, you know, creative being, and she she had a a little bit of like a yoga is not really like that like the way that we see it all over the world sort of this um the commercialization of yoga she was she wasn't into that so i sort of had this um sophia you know these like sophia um blinders on a little bit like this is this is what it is and this is what yoga mm. is and it was profound um and really taught me a lot about myself and about being able to study myself, really. Um, and then she left Boulder. And so I sort of was like, oh, what do I do now? You know, <laughs> I, have to, I have to find some other yoga. And so I started, you know, seeking a little bit out in, in the yoga world. And, um, you know, I do, you know, it's, it's, it can be a little bit challenging in the commercialization kind of avenue of yoga to find the depths of the practice that for me really speaks to my heart and my soul. Um, so it took a little while, you know, like where, mm. where is that type of yoga? And um, I did end up doing a teacher training through Yoga Works, which was mm. a beautiful teacher training. It gave me a lot of um, 
uh, alignment and sequencing knowledge and really just this rock solid, you know, how to teach vinyasa, Mm -hmm. you know. So I feel like my path has been being able to bring some of what I've learned from Sophia in this more devotional, subtle body. Um, Her yoga is very slow, you know, it's, it's sort of like, it's spacious. Mm. You hold poses a long time. You have time to really sink into what's happening, mm. you know, on all levels of our being. Mm. So I, 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 I like to really combine those things. And I also have, um, in the meantime, while I was studying yoga with Sophia, I also was studying shamanic lineages and practices. And I'm sort of a student of life. I have this Lakota teacher now who mm-hmm. talks about um, how the time we're living in right now is the time of prophecy fulfillment. And so Black Elk, who was this um, prophet, who is a, a medicine man of the Lakota um, people, received this huge vision. And there's a whole book written about it, Black Elk Speaks. It's it's really a powerful story. He lived through the time when the whites were coming in and when you know Lakota and Native American culture was really not doing well anymore and so he lived in this time where this was all happening and he received all of these visions that were um sort of showing what was to come what was happening and what was to come and he predicted this time which my one of my teachers says is now this time of prophecy fulfillment when all of the nations would come together and meet in the center and there would be no more sort of division of race and of creed and of class and of color and you know and and it would be this sort of melting pot where you know the whole world would speak one language Mm. and they we would be this rainbow tribe um coming to sort of renew um the world and i really feel like that's been my path in some ways like there's i've studied a lot of different traditions and the yoga has been so primary and foundational for me and i've had this beautiful opportunity to study lots of shamanic culture traditions i've spent a lot of time in brazil Hmm. um working with the orisha tradition and afro-brazilian lineage and, and lots of different sort of ways of kind of finding spirit in there and um so for me, you know, yoga is a practice to, to learn about ourselves and to study ourselves and to connect. And all of these different lineages that I've studied have given me insight into that, into how to become more connected beings, connected to ourselves, connected to the earth, the planet, connected to each other, being in community. And we are so isolated, you know, in many ways as a culture. And we're seeing right now in the world, you know, how intense this sort of amplification of energies is. And for me, I really, I really sort of feel that it's kind of like, I mean, sometimes, you know, I'll say like, I I see the battle of light and dark playing itself out like on the world stage, you know, for all to see, but it's much more complicated than that. It's not like, you know, we're light and they're dark and you know it's it, you know it's so much more complicated than that but each of us has these parts of ourselves that we are bringing into light it feels like to me we're bringing into consciousness mm. so that they can no longer sort of just run us automatically but that we have the ability to transform that into you know the gifts yeah. into the 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 gold mm. so yeah 
long answer. That's beautiful. No, that's great. I definitely have a few things to comment on. First, I think it's fantastic that you had one teacher for a decade. Mm. Where so many people, myself included, for at least the first years of my practice, first years of being introduced to yoga, I was hopping around from teacher to teacher to teacher, you know, trying to uh, find this recognition of someone being like, oh... Mm-hmm. I see in you something that I'd like to cultivate in myself. Mm-hmm. I'd like to be your student, mm-hmm. you know, in that regard. So I think it's really amazing that you stuck with a teacher for a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, when we, I was interviewing Eddie Modestini, you know, he was so adamant about being like, find someone and stick with them. And he was mm-hmm. like, and don't just stick with them for a year. Mm-hmm. He was like, stick with them for five years Mm -hmm. you know he's a little more intense in that regard but Mm -hmm. i I think that's awesome that you uh had that uh uh that that uh conviction to stick with it yeah i'm sure there was some maybe plateau-y like Mm -hmm. moments you're like oh i don't know yeah you know sophia especially then she was very fiery so, you know, it was a fire practice, you know, it was like, you know, you, you don't get up and drink water in the middle of class. You don't leave and you don't go to the bathroom. You know, you, you figure it out, you know, you, because what she was teaching us is that the subconscious, these parts of ourselves are going to do anything they possibly can to get out of this moment and to get out of feeling what's really happening underneath. Mm. And so when we're like, uh, oh, I'm just going to take a drink of water. Like it's a distraction because we're afraid to feel. Mm -hmm. So it was powerful for me to be with a teacher that fiery, you know, Mm. for that long and to really just like, yes, like I'm going to dive. You know, I I tend to do that. I tend to dive. I love that. And, um, yeah, that's, that's something that I really appreciate about her is, um, the fire. But at a certain point I sort of was like, oh, I think, I think, I think a little, you know, water might actually feel really good. Like a little nourishment. (laughs) And actually she's become a lot more nourishing, Mm. but, um, there is that, um, that transformative aspect to the practice. Like, you know, like when you're in your Ashtanga practice and you're, you know, you just go in and Mm. it's like, it's the fire and Mm -hmm. it's the purification energy. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like we are in a time of purification on the planet, Mm -hmm. you know, and in our own, you know, in our own lives in certain ways. But there is a collective, like there's purification happening. And I see that playing itself out, you know, on the collective field. And especially right now, it is so intense out there. And there's so much being churned up. It's like it's like all that stuff that maybe was underneath the surface is now on the surface. And my prayer, my hope is that now we can actually, like, it can move all the way through at this point. Mm. So that's that's what I pray for this moment in our world, our collective, you know, intensity that we're all experiencing is that we can see it as this it's risen to the surface. It's bubbled up and now it can be worked with. Now it can be released. What are tools? I still have a few comments from earlier before, but yeah. right here, what are some tools that you've Uh, been able to embrace when it comes to seeing that which is bubbling up and it's just staring at you right in front of your face what are the tools of uh how to see them without you know averting or attaching or swallowing the poison you know how do you how do you see these i guess we use the word issues Mm -hmm. arise Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's it's a it's a practice of cultivating our ability to sit with discomfort. Mm. I think that's what we're always doing in yoga. Mm. And I, I took a Hakomi training. Hakomi is a somatic psychotherapy technique in my early 20s. And I learned so much about mindfulness and the ability to um, witness ourselves. And yeah, not attach on, but to just be present and to allow it to come up and to feel it. Um, so one, this is one very like important thing I learned in my Hakomi training is the ability to sit with discomfort. And we learned about systems theory and neuroscience. And I'm so fascinated in love with neuroscience and how they're sort of proving with science now these Eastern philosophical truths, right? This wisdom that we study in yoga and these different traditions. Now they're starting to prove that with neuroscience. Um, but so we studied neuroscience and we studied the ability to just sit with the discomfort. And in systems theory, there's you know this wisdom that... Um, are, are, we are systems, we are living systems, and we are here in a state of equilibrium. So whether we have a pattern that we don't like necessarily, necessarily or doesn't serve us, it's still a state of equilibrium in our bodies, in our, in our systems. So we're here, we're going along, maybe you know we have a bad habit or we have some addiction or something, but we're, we're stable in it. Now in order to create change, we inevitably have to go into a state of dissolution. We have to pass through like a threshold where things dissolve, that state of equilibrium dissolves and it feels really uncomfortable to be in a state of dissolution. So we kind of go into this chaos and um, I, in my experience, it's felt like I was in the middle of the ocean with no, like with on a little raft, like a little log or something in the middle of the ocean and no horizon in sight. That's how, that's like the feeling for me. It's like scary and it's like immense and it's chaos and there's waves and it's like, I don't know where I am or where I'm going. And nobody wants to feel that way. Like it's a human thing just to not want to feel that. But what I learned in this training was that the longer we can stay in that place of discomfort with uncertainty, the easier it becomes to actually move forward into the next level of integration so eventually, it takes more energy to actually go backwards than to go forwards, right? So for a while, we're just in this place where, you know, we might be in the, in the chaos and the uncertainty, we're not feeling great about it, but we're still gonna, you know, we wanna go back. We wanna go back to equilibrium. We wanna go back to equilibrium. We wanna go back. But at a certain point of being able to tolerate and stay here, it actually becomes less energy for our system to move forward then to go back. Mm. And that's when change happens. That's when healing happens. That's when we actually get to shift into a new state of equilibrium, a new system. And what they say in you know science is you know organized at a higher level of complexity. It's almost like that going back is like I guess recycling going over and over and over but then moving forward is like upcycling. Exactly, upgrading. Yeah. Yeah, or like up leveling. Totally. Totally. So it's like we're ready to make that shift, but it's scary. Mm. Yeah. And so that's for me, that's been a guiding kind of force for my own ability to sit with stuff when it comes up. Because I know that the stuff that comes up, you know, it's like, I don't want it. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to have those same problems. I don't want to, you know, act like that. I don't want to, you know, 
attract that type of relationship or that situation, right? So, so when the stuff comes up, for me, it's been so comforting to know that if I can tolerate it, if I can sit in discomfort and in uncertainty, and I don't know what this is, and I don't know why it's here, and I don't want it, but I'm just going to hang out with it, you know, because I know that the next place, the transformation comes when I can ride it. Mm. When I can stay with it long enough to then be able to shift. And so it, it makes it quicker. The easier that we're able to tolerate, you know, it's like in our yoga pose. And, you know, it's intense and it's hard. And we're like, I just want to get out of here. I want to go take a mess of water. I want to go run to the bathroom, you know. But if we're able to just hang out with it and breathe and find our inner calm and find that place that's just like, I'm okay. Whatever happens, you know, whatever this funk is, I'm okay. Come back to that. Come back to the breath. Come back to the mm. center, the heart, you know, feel the body, feel sensation. Then it'll move through a lot quicker. That's mm. what I found in my experience. That's beautiful. Thank you. Visceral. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Mm. And, I, and again, I keep bringing it back to the world right now because I'm just so aware that we're in an intense, mucky situation and people are freaking out. There's a lot of fear. And in a way, it's like, can we just sit in the funk, in this discomfort, and allow our collective humanity to shift to the next level? So I guess this will be a little bit of a volatile comment, but we'll see. I was reading like a little mem last night, and it said, uh, constantly stuck in between just letting it happen you know, like letting it flow yeah, and going and getting it and making it happen. So by sitting in the funk, you know, how long can sitting in specific funk, this collective funk that's going on, mm. like all this violence that has yeah. been occurring in the world over the last like just three months, which yeah. is really intense. Yeah. How long? You know, do we have to hang out here? To hang out in that until it's like, okay, well, what are we gonna, you know, how, what does that look like? And I think right. that's like the greater um, collective example for yes. us to observe our own inner shit yes. and the own challenge that arises in life yes. as we're able to see it. What's that like to s just constantly in between waiting yeah. and going to get it? Well, I think that you gotta go to get it. And, and while you're in the uncertainty, what are the practices that help you hang out there? Because if we know that we'll, we'll reorganize at a higher level of complexity quicker, if we are able to hang out with the intensity, with the funk, you know, then what can we do to help us get there quicker? And so yoga, right? It's like, that's why we practice. That's why I practice. You know, I actually was really blessed to do a kundalini a week of kundalini this week and it was like my first deep dive into kundalini i haven't dove that deep and kundalini is a little crazy right but but it was really fun to understand like the science behind it and the technology behind it and to you know use the breath powerfully like it's there's so much pranic involvement in that practice mm. and it's like breathe okay like things are getting intense 
let's breathe with it. Like what, it's not like hang in the funk and just like wallow in it and allow it to do what it, you know, there, there's an element of that. Yes. But there's an element of like, okay, I know I'm in this ocean of uncertainty. I know I'm in the chaos. I'm aware that I am here hanging out in this transformational space. Mm. So I'm going to use my resources to help it along. So breathe, you know, personally, right? We breathe, you know, what, what is, for me, prayer. I mean, prayer is a huge part of my practice and Mm. coming into alignment with my whole being, you know, body, mind, spirit, words, like using words, prayers, mantra to actually align my energy with that higher place. Mm. So, you know, there is this element of hanging out with it, but like, then it's like, grab the hand that's reaching for us, you know, like grab up and grab onto that and like let us, let ourselves be guided to the Mm. new horizon. Hmm. Beautiful insight. Thank you. Yeah. So a comment from a few moments ago, um, maybe this is just perhaps in the experience of uh, the the conscious scene, if you will. Mm -hmm. I think that can be a little bit of a loaded term, uh, shaman shamanistic practices like you hear the word shaman and it might be a loaded term do you know what i mean totally can you demystify that for us in like Mm. your experience in your very clear study Mm. and um and multiple i guess the word would be tribes Mm -hmm. if you will Mm -hmm. i don't have a relationship with that at least with my own relationship to spirit which i i have in my own heart in my Mm -hmm. own life and how it's revealed itself to me but i'd love to hear uh, how you would demystify mm-hmm. shamanistic and uh, bring a little more clarity to that which you have, uh, you know, spent so much time in your life yeah. studying how you share that with the world through yeah. your own actions. Yeah, so I, I also think shamanism is a loaded <laughs> term and subject. Um, uh, I had a, I mean, this Lakota teacher I was telling you about. She she you know said recently um, shamans are some of the most dangerous people um, because they have a lot of power. You know they know how to work energy um, and the ego, as we're all struggling with, can be a really um, hard thing. You know so there's so I you know so my experience um, has really been a study of my personal understanding of how to work with um, energy and the spirits of nature, really. So, you know, that's where it's come to me, you know, is there are allies in the world. You know, everything in the world is made of living energy. We're all living energy. And living energy has personality. You know, it has, um, you can communicate with it. You know, so a rock or a tree. It was up at the Star House this past week. They have these beautiful standing stones that surround this mm. beautiful building. And I got to, you know, communicate with these standing stones every morning, just walk around the building and activate, you know, by offering my love and gratitude. You know, like one of the practices I'm really into right now um, is just being in sacred reciprocity mm. with the energies of the world with all the living energies but then we can I can be in sacred reciprocity with the sun which means that I can breathe in the living energy the nectar the the gift 
of the sun, and then I cannot breathe my own nectar, my love and gratitude back out. And it's like, you know, like you mm. and I communicate. We can communicate with these spirits of nature. It's just, you know, and, and we and we haven't been taught that in our culture. For me, that's that's been like probably the most fruitful experience of my shamanism studies. It's just this understanding that I can communicate. I can receive and I can also give and be in a, a dance of harmony with with the natural world. Mm. And, you know, I've had, um, yeah, some beautiful opportunities to study with um, these traditions. And, um, you know, for me, it, 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 it always comes back to myself. Like, what do I feel? You know, it's like, we we've lived in a paradigm where it feels like things are outside of us and we're told you know what is true and what we need to do and what we need to live and for me it's it's a it's an intuitive um you know nobody can tell you your truth you are the only one who can find this within yourself so when i am in communication with a rock or a tree or the sun mm. you know that's my experience you know and all i'm trying to do is just um really kind of align my energy in a place that comes into harmony with all of the natural world. And is that sacred reciprocity? Sacred reciprocity. Yeah. You know, cause, cause, cause we're part of this planet or part of this world and we've forgotten that we are so fundamentally, you know, linked in like our breath, each exhale, we give our carbon dioxide, which the trees drink in and each inhale, we take in the oxygen that they give out. So we are in this, sacred reciprocity, whether we know it or not, yeah. all the time. But when we bring our consciousness to it, that's when we can start to really, you know, like live. It's like, a, it's like alive. It's like the whole planet is pulsing with this life force and mm. this beauty. And, you know, it's like, I mean, on some level, you know, I, I, I'd like to believe this, like we're all rooting for each other. You know, we're all rooting for each other. We're all here for each other's like health and well-being and growth, you know, so So th that's how I feel with the trees, you know, when I go mm -hmm. into my backyard and I have, you know, a moment with my tree out there that I, you know, hang out with sometimes it's like I feel like it's giving me, you know, it's like giving me energy and then I can give it energy back. It's like it's this mutual exchange that brings me so much like it really feels like I get happy mm. and that's for me is the ultimate goal is like just to be happy <laughs> and then you're saying that uh exchange with trees for me it kind of brought up the uh exchange that maybe many of us have made with sunsets and sunrises when we're not even conscious that we're like creating this mm. moment of total awe like wow awe. right and oh. we're like we're like I love you. <laughs> yeah it's the Amazing. same thing it's like and then we're receiving oh. right we're, so if we can bring that awareness <laughs> and consciousness into our life into our walk as we go through the world, you know, it's it's like we can have that magic, that magical experience all the time. And I feel like shamanism kind of has that it's like non-ordinary reality. You can get into these states where things become very magical. Mm. You know, the veils part and you can like connect, you know, but I think it's actually really accessible for us all the time. We just have to like mm. wake up to the fact that we are in 
harmonious exchange we can be with the natural world all the time. So here's an interesting question that just arised. Um, what is a weather pattern that you deeply resonate with and what emotions are invoked with that, with said weather pattern and how do you see that arising? Like what, what do you, what do you see? Mm. For me, I love wind and that's mm. a very interesting uh, thing that yeah, just arises. so Vayu, you know, the, the wind element, the air element. And what arose for me is a waterfall. It's like this, you know, cascade of water and that little bit of misty, you know, that hits your face yeah. when you're, you know, and that, that's just this like, for me, it, it wakes me up, you know, that the, the water and the wind together in the, in the Brazilian Orisha tradition that I've studied, um, they also, there's like, uh, deities, you know, just mm. like in the Hindu tradition, you know, we have these deities and they all personify elements of nature really. So we've got Vayu, you know, mm -hmm. the god of the wind. Um, in the Orisha tradition, Ionsa is the goddess of the wind. Mm. And she is like, you know, but she's amazing. She comes in and she, mm -hmm. she's like the wind. She purifies, she transforms, she lifts, she moves energy. But there's this um, hybrid, right? We've, it's sort of like archetypes and we all have some of everything. Just like in astrology, we have a little earth and a little air and a little fire. So for me, you know, my kind of deity in that path is this combination of Ian and Oshun. And Oshun is the goddess of the waters, the fresh waters mm. and the waterfalls. And it's that like mixture of the two that I was just describing mm -hmm. that was what popped up for me. Cool. I just remembered that's what I was, you know, uh, presented with that that was my sort of like path in that tradition that was the the, the element of nature like the where the wind and the water mix and what are the emotions that kind of or the feelings you know that that uh core directly correlated to that uh, visionary relationship mm. i mean for me it gives me um strength mm. It was sort of like a fortification of my of my spirit of my soul of my body to be in connection with the elements mm. and you know when I get in a waterfall it's like <laughs> I'm like in heaven yeah. it's like full-on ecstasy you know what I mean the waterfall wow yeah and then it's like always like thank you mm. like thank you waterfall thank you Oshun you know thank you to the spirit of this waterfall because I receive so much, you know, so always like offering that, mm. that gratitude. Mm. Earlier you mentioned, I'm not going to try to pronounce the first word, but somatic psychology. Yep. Hakomi. Hakomi. Can you yep. tell us more about that? What is yeah, that? Yeah. So it's a psycho psychotherapy technique, um, that really uses mindfulness. So, um, you know, I was trained to be a therapist. So you'd sit one-on-one -on -one with someone and, um, you might be telling me your story, like this is my problem and I'm coming to you for this or that or this. And then I, you know, I would ask you to close your eyes and go into a place of mindfulness and observe mm -hmm. what's happening in your body. What's, you know, what's your breath doing? Where do you feel? Um, like if you're, if you have an emotion come up, I would say, where do you feel that in your body? Mm -hmm. So it's this opportunity to kind of dive into the subconscious layers because the consciousness is only about, I don't know, 5% online at any time. The conscious mind and then the subconscious mind is like the rest. So if you think of an iceberg, there's a little tip of the iceberg at the top poking up from 
the water. And then underneath, when you get to see, you know, those pictures, underneath mm-hmm. is this mass, but you can't see it from the top. So we're ruled by the subconscious. And so, you know, Hakomi is a technique. Um, all of these, many of these things that I've studied, technique to bring that energy that is stuck in the subconscious up to the conscious so that it can then be worked with and changed and uh, released. So in Hakomi, you know, the idea is that we all come in, you know, maybe in the first five years of our lives, we develop our, our stuff. We get punched, you know, our, our little card gets stamped with certain things in our childhood. Some scars. Yeah, some scars, exactly. And um, this is what we're working with the rest of our lives. This forms our personality, our strategies to get our needs met or to maybe not have needs if those needs were never met in the first place. So we have all of these very tricky ways that we um, create our ourselves as we grow up into adulthood um, that we form around, you know, whether our needs got met or not. Mm. But again, those, those ways of being aren't necessarily useful to us. Like if I'm a really self-reliant person because I never had my, my needs met, you know, as a, as a child, I don't necessarily want to stay self-reliant. Like I don't want to be, um, that's not going to serve me to, to live my life like in a sort of a closed wall, like I don't need anybody. Yeah. So, you know, Hakomi is a technique that helps us kind of get into those layers. Like what was it that kind of, cause that in the first place or and you know what it what are those deeply held emotions around it so that it can bubble up from the subconscious into the conscious mind where we can then have choice around it so we can choose what we want that's the power of the conscious mind is we can choose you know where to direct our energy so when you were saying before about you know but you know to act you know how do we bring that like action you know that force that like cuts through and you know creates the shifts that we want you know that's the power of the conscious mind but if there's something being held in the subconscious that is mm, against that that is you know say we have a limiting belief in our unconscious that says i'm not good enough or i'm not smart enough or i'm not pretty enough or whatever those are that we all have that is very human just to have that if something is held there we, you know, it's like we can say, I am enough, I am enough. But if we never get to that like deep subconscious material, it's hard to actually really believe that in the conscious mind and actually make a shift. So the, pro- the practice is like, you know, allowing the stuff from the subconscious to bubble up. So the mindfulness is like, okay, something's bubbling up. I'm going to hmm. just sit with it. I'm going to... I'm going to study this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to understand. I want to. Like, I'm, I'm curious about this thing. Mm-hmm. What is this in me? You know, and so I'm going to study it and I'm going to sit with it. And maybe it's a little uncomfortable. Maybe I don't like it. Maybe it feels yucky. Maybe I'm scared of it. Maybe I'm, you know, it makes me feel irritated. But I'm going to just hang out here. And then when I understand it somewhat, that's when I can, like, create the conscious choice. Do something a little different. Mm, I love that. So... Maybe for some some of our listeners or just in general in life, when we're starting to just approach yoga yeah. in this practice, what are a few tools that we can practice in order to cultivate what it is to be mindful? Yeah, that's huge. I yeah. mean, I do think that's number one in when we come to our yoga practice. You know, number one is how to be mindful. Um, 
I think being still helps us to be mindful. So slowing down. So sometimes we might go to our practice and we might just like want to get it right and we might be looking at the person next to us or, you know, you know, maybe there's a mirror in the room and we want to check out, you know, what we look like or we're trying to, you know, go kind of fast to keep up. You know, I think there's a place where we can um, remember to slow down and be in the breath and then notice our physical sensations. So in a pose, if we're in triangle pose, you know, we can feel the stretch through the side of our body. We can feel the stretch through this hamstring. We can focus our gaze in one place. When we focus our gaze, it helps to still the mind. And we breathe and we just let ourselves feel. Mm-hmm. So often we're in the mind and mm-hmm. we're thinking and we're, our mind is flitting around to oh, a thousand million different things. So when we can feel that's where the power of mindfulness really gets very effective and present. And that takes practice, really. It takes practice, you know, and then <laughs> totally. you're feeling, and then all of a sudden you're like thinking about your lunch, you yeah. know, and then you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to start feeling again. You know, as soon as you become aware that you've been lost in the mind, okay, let me breathe and mm. let me feel. Mm. So it is, it's like, it's a, it's a constant, you know, that's, you know, we were talking about earlier, discipline. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, we have to be able to know that something is going to help us. That's for me, that helps. It's like when my mind can wrap itself around that this is going to help me. So I am motivated mm-hmm. to practice. And oh, there my mind goes again. Nope. I'm going to come back to the breath and back to the sensation because I know this is going to help me. Mm-hmm interesting comment that I'll make it might be a little weird and humorous Uh but uh, with you saying that a part of me wished that I could be in uh, uh, in Harry Potter and uh, (laughs) go into Gandalf's uh, like I guess that whole like magical little pool thing where Harry goes in and he sees Mm. his past and I'd love to go back to my very first yoga practice and watch Mm. the whole train of thought for Mm. that hour. I remember three experiences from it very distinctly, Uh but if we could all go back to our very first asana (laughs) practice, I think it'd be just like that. Funny. Yeah, Yeah, it'd be funny. Like, (laughs) Like, wow. (laughs) I was such a baby back then. Yeah. Cool, Dana. So transitioning a little bit, um, tell us about Hanuman Festival. Yeah, so I was blessed to get involved with Hanuman Festival the first year that Mm. we had the festival. I came on board as the website manager the very first year. So before the first festival ever happened, I met Yoshi, came on board um, as the website manager, and was involved with the festival for three years as the website manager. And um, for me, you know, that was kind of in a time where I was like seeking outside of, you know, my, my Sophia yoga world, you know, and I was like looking for more teachings, you know, and different teachings. And, and like I said before, around like we're in a time of prophecy fulfillment where all traditions like have a place, all perspectives are useful, you know. So what I love about the festival is that we bring teachers in from all over that have um, their different flavor of yoga. They're master teachers who come in with, you know, really different and unique and, and masterful perspectives on how yoga can really serve our world, our community, and ourselves. And um, 
you know, our tagline at Hanuman Festival is raise the vibration. For me, that's always been like, that's it. You know, that's why we're coming together in community. Mm. And the festival is such a huge opportunity for that. Because when lots of people come together with the same intention, that's where really profound transformation happens. Mm. So when we have, you know, five studios of yoga happening, whether, you know, even though they're all different types of practices, some might be similar, but some might be very different. You know, we might have a yin class going on and a kundalini class or a, you know, ashtanga class and a shamanic yoga class or, you know, there can Mm -hmm. be a lot of different things happening at the same moment. But I feel like what unifies it is this, um, this intention, Mm -hmm. you know, this sacred intention Mm -hmm. for us all to grow and to be able to uplift each other and the planet. And mm. for me, you know, I always feel that at the festival every year. I'm like, yeah, this rippled out. Like this, this is big. You know, maybe it was just, you know, 1,500 people in Boulder, you know, on one weekend, you know, but what it always feels like is that it makes a massive dent or, you know, shift in the pattern of the collective. Mm. And that really does help both ourselves raise our vibration, you know, become happier, healthier, you know, better people, but also for, you know, it's a service to, to humanity. That's what I like to, you know, really get behind for the festival. You know, it's like yogis where, you know, we can, we can, you know, many of us are pretty privileged, right? We live here in the West you know, we have enough money to go to a yoga festival or, you know, but what we're doing there is powerful work to shift the consciousness and the vibration mm. of our own selves as well as the planet as a whole. Mm. You know, I, I feel fully in support of all that you said. I think this last Hanuman festival, Yoga Revealed was so blessed and fortunate to be a partner with Hanuman and to be able to sit across from 10 of these masterful individuals who have devoted, I mean, I just get chills all over reliving that mm-hmm. and uh, integrating the, the one-on-one conversations mm-hmm. that I was so blessed to share. Andrew and I were so blessed. Andrew's our business partner in Yoga mm-hmm. Revealed. And, you know, I mean, I, every conversation that I had with every teacher, couldn't tell on the podcast, but there were tears mm-hmm. in my eyes mm-hmm. out of the level of devotion and dedication mm-hmm. that all these teachers just embody what seems to be from an outsider's perspective effortless. Mm-hmm. And you know, for me, I think the tears were arising out of complete awe and aspiration and admiration and mm-hmm. hope that, you know, I can make mm-hmm. such an influence mm-hmm. one day that these individuals have. I mean, I'm young, I'm 25, so it's like I'm patient. Yeah. <laughs> at that at that i mean some of these were they would practice since the 70s right you know right it's like holy shit right. that's a lot of practice that's a, that's lot, a lot of, of hours logged in <laughs> yeah you know so yeah. uh, it, the hanuman festival was su- yeah. it is such a gift yeah. to the boulder community and all those who traveled i mean i met so many people from hawaii and yeah. uh, from just traveling around yeah, it's we actually so have a cool. lot of people come in from out of state. Mm-hmm. More than fifty percent, really, of the awesome. participants are from out of state. So it's you know Boulder is such a destination mm-hmm. as it is. You know it's beautiful here, mm-hmm. and it's summertime, early June. You know it's the festival is right along the Boulder Creek, so we've got that beauty of nature, and you know the wind and and really just the teachings. Um, what we like to really hold, you know, Yoshi is so good at this. You know, it's like the intention 
that is the festival. You know, it's it's really to honor the practice of yoga. Mm. It's not the commercialization of yoga. It's not, you know, the egoic whatever that, you know, we can sometimes see in the in the industry. It's really just like simple, accessible practice. Everybody's welcome. It's very inclusive. You walk into the the vendor village, you know, and mm. my I've heard so much feedback time and time again that people just get to relax. Yeah. There's like this letdown that happens. Like you don't have to put on your yoga mask. You actually take it off. Yeah. <laughs> and you just get to like be with all of these beautiful people in this community and, you know, mm. learn and grow and have a great time, mm. celebrate, you know, lots of fun. Mm. And for me, you know, this past festival was so fun. It was like a love fest. It was really like a yoga family reunion where just like everywhere I turned were just these beautiful souls that I have grown to love so much and I just felt like I got to share so much um, with these with mm. all the people who came and so now I am I'm blessed to be the creative director of the festival wow and also the director of business development mm. um, so and you're part of uh, what we were calling Hanuman Academy I am so yeah we've now launched two different um, uh, platforms and one is Hanuman Adventures which is taking people on yoga retreats to sacred sites and doing service work. So, you know, Hanuman, the story of Hanuman is Hanuman is the devotee and he is this in service to the divine. So to Lord Ram and to Sita, you know, he is like in total devotion and service and whatever is needed, he's the one who does it, you know. Oh, they need a herb from the Himalayas to, to heal Lakshmana, you know, Rama's brother. Hanuman is the one who who is able to go and and get that, you know. So for us at Hanuman Festival, being of service is primary, it's fundamental value. So we wanted to do something that could really allow our participants to be able to experience that firsthand. So Hanuman Adventures is um, our platform for going out into the world and being of service. We also do amazing yoga, and we travel to really beautiful places and stay in, you know, great, you know, accommodations, retreat centers. It's really, you know, it's a yoga retreat, but then we get to like adventure out into the communities and really get to know the people firsthand. Culture. The culture and to, to offer them something. We were in Bali in March for our first Hanuman adventure and we were cleaning trash in mm. this village. And, um, you know, the chief of the village was out cleaning trash with us. And I mean, there was trash everywhere. They just don't have consciousness. It's just not a part of their culture. This plastic thing, it's like new. It's not, you know, they never had it. And, you know, it's like, but now it's everywhere. And, you know, you start looking in the grasses and it's covered in plastic. And so we were like, okay. And, you know, we were asked to go into the village as a, as a way to be educational as well, as an opportunity to um, teach that, you know, trash is an important thing to clean up. Plastic, you know, is not good for our oceans and our, you know, everything. So anyway, the the chief said to us that no Westerner has ever offered to help them before. So just that, just being able to do something so simple, like go clean up trash in the village, turn into this amazingly transformative, rewarding experience for all of the participants on the retreat. It was really, really powerful to see how simple acts of service can bring such great it's like sacred reciprocity we were talking about before. It's like we give a little. We receive so much. Let's just give a little, you know, maybe a lot, hopefully. But even just a little, you know, taking, you know, a couple of hours on a few days, you know, to mm -hmm. do something 
just takes the practice up to a whole new level. That's for me. It's like, mm. you know, being able to give. What are some upcoming sites? So we're sites? going to Peru in October. Mm. We've got Juan Pablo Barahona, his amazing teacher who's been at Hanuman the last couple of years. Super mm-hmm. fun. He's coming with us to Peru in October, 1st through 8th. We'll go to Machu Picchu and we'll work with an orphanage wow, down there. that's amazing. And then in March, we're going to India. We're going to be with Anand Marotra in India. And we're going to work with his school. He's got a school for kids who would not get education in One any other March. way. March 9th through 19th. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's one of the fun projects we're doing now through Hanuman. Um, the other one that I'm really, really super excited about is what you said, Hanuman Academy. It's our brand new platform. It's an online platform for expanding and deepening yoga education. Mm. So at the festival, you know, we get these like immersions or workshops with lots of different teachers. And this is our way of, you know, offering our participants, our students, an opportunity to dive in deep. And... So we're doing these online immersions. So our first one is called the Five Elements of Yoga. We're getting five teachers now, you know, I have to say, these are some of my favorite teachers that Mm. I want to study with, which is, you know, my selfish reason for doing (laughs) (laughs) It's because I want to study. I'm a student. I just want to study. So we're getting Saul David Ray to do the earth element. Mm. Sianna Sherman does water. Mm. Juan Pablo does fire. Janet Stone does air, and Sri Devi Bringy does ether. Mm. And we pick these teachers because they really embody the elements so beautifully and are really great teachers just in their way of life of the different elements. So the Five Elements of Yoga is a six-month online immersion, one month with each teacher, and then the last month is an integration module where each teacher will teach an integration piece. Wow. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So it's this way to bring in these master teachers. What I like about it is it's um, five different teachers, five perspectives, five paths, five ways of walking yoga. But in this, um, you know, cohesive curriculum of the five elements, which is the basis of life. It's like all of the universe is made up of the five elements, the tatwas. Wow. Yeah. That's exciting. It's really excited. So that course is launching in October. Of this year. Of this year. So it'll be a six-month course, and um, it's just a really great way to deepen in if you're a practitioner who, you know, is ready to kind of take the next deeper dive into your practice. Like your soul is calling, you know, maybe you've, Mm. you know, done what you've been doing for long enough, and you're ready for like a next level of the yoga practice, Mm. then this would be a really great way to get that. Mm. Five amazing teachers, and... um, deeper look into the philosophies and practices of the elements of yoga. Five beautiful master teachers. Yes. Most of which are on the podcast. So that is super yeah. exciting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely be able to link that and Hanuman Adventures in the blog and continue to cool. shout it out. Awesome. Dana. Yeah. What a beautiful hour it has been to share mm. you on the podcast. Mm. One last question you had a golden nugget to offer to our listeners as they carry on on their path one golden nugget of wisdom what would that be Hmm. 
I mean, my golden nugget of wisdom I'm working with right now is getting up in the morning and practicing. Mm. Sitting at my altar every morning, making sure I get that in, you know, having my moment to pray, to commune, to connect, to center myself, align myself with, you know, the vibration that I want to be in that day so that I can, you know, really be in service to others. You know, like I want my vibration to actually be able to uplift someone even if I don't even talk to them. If I walk into mm. the store, mm. you know, and when mm. I don't practice, it's much harder, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> I think we all relate to that. Yeah, so it's like that discipline. It's like get up, yeah. like do it. Whether you want to, mm. want to or not, whether you want to or not, you know, have the discipline, do it. Mm, yep. Beautiful. Dana. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's such You're a so pleasure. Welcome. Thank you, Alec. Thank you, mm. Yoga Revealed. So grateful for you. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. It's a pleasure to share more of the Hanuman Festival with you. Here is more on the Hanuman Academy from Yoshi and Dana. Hi, Yoshi here, founder of Hanuman Festival. I'm Dana Saray, creative director for Hanuman. Are you craving a deep dive into the practice of yoga? We are super excited to introduce you to Hanuman Academy, the online platform for advancing and deepening your yoga education. Our premier course, The Five Elements of Yoga, is a six-month advanced immersion. Five master teachers will share their profound wisdom of the deeper philosophy and practice of yoga. Journey into Earth with Saul David Ray, Water with Sianna Sherman, Fire with Juan Pablo Barahona, Air with Janet Stone, and Ether with Sri Devi Bringy. This is a special and rare confluence of master teachers who each embody the wisdom of their element. We hope you join us for this transformational journey. Wow, what an amazing opportunity this is to deepen your practice with five world-renowned yoga teachers along with learning more about the five elements. Follow the link via iTunes view description tab or just go to yogarevealed.com and click on the link to the Hanuman Academy. This is Alec Rubin representing Boulder, Colorado, and it is a pleasure to be revealing yoga to you, our yogi devoted listeners. We love you and we are truly grateful for your support in the podcast. Until next time, my friends, practice on and love life. Namaste. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.